Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA show. My name is Noah Baker. I'm joined, as always, by the man to my right, the man with a great old backdrop, a great old setup. He's got a good microphone. Guess what? He's got a really, really good internet connection that I just envy, and a laptop that I just envy. Ugh, I envy everything about Dominic. Uh, Dominic, how are you doing today? How are you doing this weekend? How was it? No, I'm doing pretty well. It was a pretty crazy week, as we discussed on Friday, and it was a good weekend. Uh, good quality time with the girly, with the family. Had a good night of fights on Saturday. More dips in the pool. Golf on Saturday morning. The weather's just nice. Everything's better when the weather's nice, so life is good. We've had a crazy week for this podcast, but damn it, we're finding a way, and that's what matters. So we're here in the studio on Sunday for that Monday recap, Noah. Uh, I guess you might want to tell the people a little bit about your weekend, or maybe you don't want to at all. Weekend was fine. Don't know what you're talking about, Dom. Uh, didn't have any issues at all. Oh, you mean the several technology issues I've endured um, yeah, I won't bore anybody with the details, but it, uh, just not been my week with technology. Um, I'm recording this on my phone, and if you can't tell, my laptop that I've had for not even two years has decided to bite the dust after really never giving me much of anything <laughs> worth the shit the last couple years, so... <clears throat> perhaps a blessing in disguise that I will have to buy a new laptop but um yeah I mean I will not bore any more details but it's been very frustrating um as someone whose hobby involves recording a podcast it's kind of hard you know when technology and internet connections just don't want to go your way but hey the weekend was good in terms of fights Dominic funny enough though much bigger on the boxing side, you had a pay-per-view on ESPN Plus that the UFC card kind of led into with Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko fighting for the undisputed lightweight title. And in the afternoon, kind of during but before uh, the UFC card, you had Katie Taylor fighting out in Ireland. So uh, Conor McGregor on site. So it was like a big weekend there. Pretty quaint weekend for the UFC. Leading into a weekend with no UFC. But... I'll be honest, Dominic, I kind of enjoyed UFC Vegas 73. I'm not going to play the, yeah, I'm not going to do the gag this week, but uh, um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good card. Uh, main event delivered much better than I would have hoped, and I think it's a good way to lead into the main event where Mackenzie Dern, Dominic, really really gave the kind of performance that I think a lot of people needed to see from her to inject a lot of life into her UFC career that felt like it had sort of stagnated, it hit a crossroads. It felt like some of those other skills had not developed in her MMA game. But apparently, Dominic, all it takes is getting a divorce, and all of a sudden you can unlock that next level in yourself as someone who has seen a lot of divorces. I will tell you that it does not surprise me. But no, in all seriousness, she looked great here. Um, she said in the lead up that she wanted to take out a lot of the frustration and that she was having in her personal life on Angela Hill. 
And Dominic, this was the most aggressive, just outright ferocious version of Mackenzie Dern we'd ever seen. I can't say it, it was as perfect of a performance as you will get at this level. Like, it was perfect way to beat Angela Hill. But I do think that in order for her to compete or beat some of those ladies at the top that she has already lost to, or even some of the other fresh matchups, we just gotta, it's just gotta keep building on that. Just gotta keep improving because this was a really great start, a perfect start. But I do think there's still a lot of room for improvement here. What were your thoughts on Mackenzie Dern's performance Saturday? Yeah, no, it was 100% the best version of Mackenzie Dern that we've ever seen. It's hands down unquestionable. You know, not only was she able to get the fight to the ground a little bit easier than some of those prior performances to utilize that world championship level jujitsu that she has, um, but she also looked not only sharper offensively on the feet, but wow, much more powerful and just a more diversity in her strikes as well. I mean, let's look at the knee that she landed on Angela Hill that almost put Angela down on her backside. I mean, that was big time stuff. She looked more powerful than ever before. And especially at a weight class that's 115 pounds, you don't see a lot of power in terms of striking. That could maybe be a, a big weapon for McKenzie going forward with this new skill set that she's kind of developing. It was just really, and, you know, this is a fight that was supposed to happen last week only for three rounds. So she hadn't been preparing for a five round fight. Noah, never let off the gas, constant pressure and pacing for 25 straight minutes, both of these ladies, but especially for McKenzie in a winning effort here with all of the grappling and jujitsu and the striking, never got tired, never like even took a step back. It was just a, a really good fight. I didn't expect it to be that fun. And I was not expecting McKenzie to show us this new evolution of her game, but it's something that on Friday I said, this was the last call and that I needed to see something improved in McKenzie. And she did more than just answer that call for me, Noah. Yeah, I think you will see some responses to this that um, maybe McKenzie only looked this good because she's facing someone like Angela Hill, who's older, who's got a lot of losses in the UFC. But I look at it and I go, yes, like I said, she looks great against Angela Hill. She proved that she is on another level from Angela Hill. But still, there needs to be some room for growth there in order to show that she is better than some of the people up at the top that she's been fighting the last couple of years. But who's made Angela Hill look like that? I mean, Angela Hill typically fights up to her competition and you know has been on the wrong end of a few decisions that a lot of people would have scored the other way. So for Mackenzie Dern, I think this is a very impressive performance. I think this fight overall was just very exciting. Angela Hill just gutting out a lot of these rounds where she's getting dominated. But man, twice having that arm bar locked up and her just not quitting, just finding a way to keep that arm latched on to, you know, in between her legs or with her other hand. Like she was, I mean, she refused to quit. It was kind of an impressive display of heart on both sides here, but obviously Mackenzie Dern, I mean, even the striking, outstriking Angela Hill, who's known as a Muay Thai striker, obviously that's never been Mackenzie Dern's forte, but we have noticed those improvements over time 
But to do it against Angela Hill, I think, shows how far she's come. And I will ask you, Dominic, she did call for a matchup with Rose Namajunas next. Is that the kind of fight that you want to see her take on? You know, I don't have a problem with it. Let's look here. I'm looking at the rankings. Rose is number two. Obviously, Caller's number one, who's out right now, about to have a baby, actually. Mackenzie's number eight. Rose, nothing. We have not heard a thing about her um, since her last fight, and it's been a long time now for someone who's been relatively active during her UFC career. I am here for the call-out, and honestly, with other people being booked ahead of Mackenzie, why not, right? I mean, Lamosh. Uh, is booked. Yan Jianan just fought and has already beaten Mackenzie Dern. Rose isn't getting the next title fight. She and Rose is not fighting Carla. Thank goodness, by the way, that we don't have to see that fight for a second time or a third time, I should say. So yes, like they are both free, and it makes sense for Rose to take a step back. She hasn't really had a step back, you know, to number eight, number ten like that in a very, very long time, if ever, because she fought her way there and has stayed amongst the top. Mackenzie. Finally gets a bounce back win here, looking to break in further than she's ever broke in before. And this new kind of evolution of McKenzie, I think it's a very, very intriguing fight that I would like to see not only just in general, but over the course of uh, five rounds, I think would be even more fun. Yeah, Dominic, it seems like Rose is always in this weird spot, right? Like she just... I think a lot of people attribute it to like uh, the mental side of the game that, you know, maybe sometimes she takes these long breaks as like a necessity for her to just keep a clear mind. I'm not even sure if she's ever came out and said that's the case. I don't know if that's all attributed to like when she lost the title the first time. She talked about the weight off her shoulders and stuff. I mean, I, would think, I don't know if that's where this is all being projected from or if maybe there is more that's been said about it than... We realize, but at the end of the day, Rose hasn't fought since that Carla Esparza fight. There's been no even rumored fights. There's been she's been a ghost basically since all that <clears throat> those interviews she did with uh, Pat Barry and stuff. So I want to see it. I think it's a great comeback fight for her. Do I feel confident we'll get it? I don't know. I, I, I don't feel that confident, Dominic, just because, like, Rose is, whenever she is in the game, man, she's she's there. She's forefront and center. You know, she's a two-time champion. But once she kind of gets out, it's like you almost think she's never coming back. I mean, I remember thinking a lot of what I'm thinking now when she lost the title the first time. And then she came back, had an extraordinary run again. And unfortunately, it ended in kind of a limp way. But then she just fades off again. And then, you know, who knows if we'll get her back in there ever again. Like, that's just kind of where I'm at with her. Um, if she wants to fight, I want her to fight Mackenzie Dern. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. And, like, I, I saw some people even going out on a limb. And I know this is kind of just opinion-based. But a lot of people were like, wow, you know, this version of Mackenzie Dern could be a champion or look like a champion. John Anik even kind of shared that narrative around. And I think while that's good that she obviously is showing these improvements for people to say this, you make a good point in which, you know, this performance was great. It was enough to beat number 14, Angela Hill, someone who's been win-loss, win-loss, you know, throughout her career in the UFC. But now, can she do that against 
the Rose Namajunas, Amanda Lemos, Zhang Weili, should she get up there for a title fight? That's obviously the next question. And I think that's why a fight with Rose is even more important um, to just really test McKenzie and see, all right, this new version of you, how far can it actually get you? Yeah, because we know how we know how complete of a fighter Rose is at her best, and that that's going to really test McKenzie everywhere. To be frank, yes, sir. Um, so with that, we will move on into the rest of UFC Vegas, whatever the number is, it don't matter. Um, Dominic, your co-main event, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez and Edmund Shabazian. I mean, what a crazy first round this was. Ended up turning into a bit of a slaughter after that. But Anthony Hernandez ends up coming out with the win. He looked fantastic here, but he even admitted it himself. He's kind of a slow starter, and it, it, it seemed like things were going south pretty quick for him when Shabazian lands the first jab, and it felt like Hernandez did not like that one bit. Like the way he the way he reacted to that first jab, I was like, oh boy. And I was looking at Shabazian the whole time, Dominic, going, he looks fucking massive. And I don't know mm-hmm. if I was the only one that was thinking that, but compared to what I remember him looking like when he was on his rise and when he fought Brunson, he looked so much bigger here. I thought. Now, I think the downside to that was, you know, they were going at such a fast pace. There was a you know a lot of momentum swings and wrestling and all this stuff. It seemed like he just couldn't hold up to that pace while Anthony Hernandez, man, he just looked like he, he could have went for five more rounds. Um, with that win, I thought it was a very impressive way to do it. Kind of battling through some early adversity to ultimately end up getting a dominant win. He was, I mean, just looking for the finish the entire time. Didn't step his foot off the gas. I think he's ready for a top 15 matchup, Dominic. What do you think? 100%. I was literally just looking, you know, when you add in a four-fight win streak, three of those are by finish, by the way, and combine that with the fact that middleweight, while is a good division, it's not the most deep, you know what I mean, in terms of all these other uh, divisions, especially for the men in the UFC. So I I think there's 100% a world where he can come and fight. I mean, I know a lot of these guys are, of course, booked, but... Just in general, this win streak, this skill set uh, of Anthony, and even the personality of him, I think is pretty fun too. And I just love so much also that his nickname is Fluffy, and this dude is anything but that. He is a fucking savage. It was just a dog fight, bloody mess of a fight. And that's what he does to these people. When you look at some of these wins that he has, can he kind of use that same thing against these top-level ranked guys. He's 29 right now. He's entering those prime years. I mean, what, his only losses in the UFC? I mean, if you take away the Marcus Perez one, which was a few years back, the only other one is Kevin Holland. So it's not like he's been fighting bad competition in the unranked circuit, if you will. He's 100% ready, and I'm here for it because it's going to be exciting. What I'll say, too, is I, I remember when he when he submitted um, the – uh, black belt jiu-jitsu like ace what was his name um Rodolfo. yeah Rodolfo Vieira when he submitted him I remember there was a lot of people like it, it, he was a huge underdog I believe Anthony Hernandez was and it was like this huge upset that this happened especially to submit hmm. the guy who was like a world champion in jiu-jitsu 
I think what's been proven since then is that was anything but a fluke. Anthony Hernandez looks so good on the ground, too. His transitions from the top to the side control to, I mean, getting full mount, like, with ease here. He is a motherfucker on the ground. And, you know, he's not even a slouch on the feet, either. And he's just got the... He's got that dog in him, Dom, where he is able to take some punishment. It kind of gets him going. And then he's going to outlast, outwill the 95, 98% of the people he could even go up against in the UFC or anywhere else because he just has that cardio, mix it with the heart and obviously that dog that he's got in him. I don't. He's gonna find himself in a lot of these fights, these kind of style of fights, like he's already been in a few times. More often than not, he's gonna be the one standing tall at the end. Yeah, no, I love that. And honestly, quickly too, Edmund Shabazian. The story kind of continues here. This odd career that we've seen of someone who's literally still only 25 years old. It seems like normally we wouldn't have like concern or hesitancy for someone losing when they're still this young but this is someone that came into the UFC at a very young age a lot of hype had Ronda Rousey in his corner even in training early on we talked about it on Friday got that you know launched into a main event out of nowhere against Derek Brunson you know really got dominated in that fight en route to getting finished lost two more after that took some time away had a big bounce back win albeit it was against Doucha uh Ambula, who again not up to the tier of competition that he's fighting you know some of these other names then he comes back again on saturday night against anthony definitely a step above and while he did look massive had a pretty good first round even though it was pretty scrappy too like it didn't come easy in that first round but he at least looked okay and then in rounds two and three just couldn't keep up with anthony so maybe it's not even so much as negative for edmund as it is positives for anthony but no i just wanted to Give me your thoughts on what you are making of Edmund still in this wacky career he's had in a couple of years even. I mean, I, I think that ship has sailed for a mm. while. Um, I'm not saying he can't get it back, but I think it's pretty clear that he was just, it was too much too soon. He ran into some really tough matchups. He's taken a lot of damage, and now he's wearing it a little bit. Um, no, I do not look at this fight, though, and go, oh, this was more of Anthony Hernandez than it was a knock on Edmund Shabazian. I mean, let's not look past the fact that the Shabazian that fought round one was severely different than the Shabazian that fought in rounds two and three. So, calls for concern. But if there are still hanger-ons to this idea that Shabazian is going to in his next fight, start the five-fight winning streak that leads him into, like, a big main event again like he had with Derek Brunson back in 2020. At this point, I think it's being a little naive, to be honest, to still hold that kind of expectation for the guy who has some great skills. He's got, you know, I, I don't know if he... Does he still train with Edmund Tarverdian? Mm, okay. Switch camps. Is his Ronda still like his manager or whatever? Is that still? I don't a thing? think so. Okay. So, you know, it, it's it, I think it's smart though that he is trying to change it up. You know, when something's not working, even when you have a guy like Edmund, who I know a lot of people like the clown, but you know, Ronda Rousey was with him and whatnot. 
it's smart to kind of try to find somewhere that does fit your style, that does is able to bring the most out of you. Um, I think, it, again, it, it this is sort of what I expected. I thought Anthony Hernandez would win. I thought the line was fairly accurate. So it does not dis... I can't say it disappoints me, but I, I also am not surprised. But if anybody hold that kind of... I don't know, Dominic, if you did. If you still kind of held that kind of hope that he could start right here with Anthony Hernandez and rattle off three, four, five fights in a row and get to like a big main event and really show that he is who he was being promoted to be back in the day. I think it's just a little naive at this point. Yeah, no, I think I agree. Uh, especially like it's one thing to maybe have that hope going into this one, but now, especially in the aftermath, it's really, really hard to hold on to that. I think for those that are out there. So we'll see how he can bounce back or like who they'll try and match him up against next. It, it could just be another case of, you know, someone that was so young and got pushed way too soon and now will never be able to recover. Um, anything else on that fight? No, are we getting into s some more on this card. I, I'll just say real quick. I mean, it is sad. Like it sucks when this, when this kind of stuff happens, but you know, Edmund, Edmund is only responsible for... He can only control what he can control. He can't control that the UFC pushed him to the moon because probably a lot of his association with Ronda Rousey. And, you know, he did have some great highlight reel finishes early on. He can't help the way he gets... He's not like a guy that's out there talking a big game and not backing it up. He was simply a guy that showed a lot of raw potential early Mix it with the fact that Ronda Rousey is kind of his manager at the time. He trains with Edmund. UFC promotes the shit out of him, and he does make his way up the ranks. But, you know, I think he's fine. I mean, maybe he ends up leaving the UFC and trying to get better experience elsewhere. I mean, look at a guy like Sage Northcutt. Very similar path, and he just came off one of the best wins of his entire MMA career that got, like, the most attention. If he were to be released by the UFC, it's not the end of the world. It's not what it used to be. I mean, I think the Francis Ngannou deal has proven that there is still life in your MMA career outside of being in the UFC. Yeah, no, that's 100% accurate. And for me, Noah, next on this card, I wanted to kind of like pair a few together in like a storyline that I was following last night. And feel free after you can touch on any of the three as much as you want, but the three pairings I'm doing is the three people that made weight class changes and debuted in those new weight classes last night. All three of them found a way to get victories and not just a win, but pretty damn convincing wins. One, I guess I'll go from top to bottom for the main card sake. Joaquin Buckley and Andre Fialho. Actually, that fight was uh, a little bit more calming than I thought it was going to be. It was actually a pretty good tit for tat little striking match. And then bam, you, you can't mess with Joaquin Buckley's power, dude. As soon as he can find a way to do something like that, that dude's just a, a different breed, a different beast of a man. And the fact that he can have all that power uh, and muscle, and now we can see that it carries down 15 pounds to a welterweight, that's pretty terrifying to think about. The second weight class change was someone else going from middleweight to welterweight, maybe someone that people didn't think we would touch on on this show, but I think he is deserving of it, Noah, and it's Gilbert Urbina. You bet on the man. You know, you're going to talk about it, I'm sure, in Blazing Bets, but you took this line. You love this line, and holy shit. I mean, he looked like a minus 1,000 against Orion Kosi. I mean, he gets a TKO in the second round, but dominated from start to finish. 
looked as sharp as he had ever looked, and that includes all of the Tough 29 season and when he fought Brian Battle in the finale in 2021. He hadn't fought since then, took time off, got the weight right to come back down, clearly evolved his skill set, and it showed, and he looked absolutely incredible, and took advantage of the microphone as well. And the third person that went up a weight class, this one did, Chase Hooper. I mean, come on, guys. I tweeted it. He's undefeated, undisputed, never lost a round. And that is true. Even had two guys, two judges, I should say, give him a 30-26. By far the best version of Chase Hooper we had ever seen. Still super, super duper young. So it's hard to see, like, oh, man, this went over Nick Fiore. That's going to push him up the ranks at lightweight. Well, you know, he went from featherweight, which is tough, to now arguably the most, if not the second hardest weight class in the UFC. But it just feels like a new breath of fresh air from fans perspective on chase and i'm sure he feels much of the same way noah yeah lightweight chase hooper looked i mean this was a about as perfect of a showcase for your debut in a new division as you can get he looked fuller like he looked like he had maybe filled out a little more into his frame which has always been kind of a concern for him and then Dominic, he's going up against Nick Fiore, who I know is not a guy that I think he was 0-1 coming in here in the UFC. But he's a New England cartel guy. Those guys, if there's one thing that anybody there can do, it's box, it's strike. And Chase Hooper got the better of those exchanges for the majority of the fight. Not perfect by any means, still a little sloppy at times, still catch it, getting caught a little too much. But he's got a great chin, which, you know, that obviously can only take you so far. But it's good that he is able to take a good shot, considering he is a skinnier guy. You know, isn't a guy known for being a striker, and he was on, he was delivering on some really good creative strikes here. I see the growth there, um, and obviously he's very good on the ground. I'm excited to see what he can do here. Um, you know, lightweight's a a buzzsaw of a division, so I think we're gonna find out pretty quickly you know, how far he can really take this, but um, I'm here for it. I'm here to watch it unfold. Shout out to Gilbert Urbina. Obviously, I'll talk about him in the Blazing Bets. I did bet on him, and it did not look like a pick him, even though that's what it was going in, and I wouldn't expect anything less, Dominic. We always support our Ohio guys. Shout out to Gilbert Urbina, Archibald, Ohio, stand up, and then Joaquin Buckley just finds another way to do it again man he's always on a highlight reel um and boy does he know it too he talks a big game he was pouring the prime energy on himself that was kind of weird i didn't know what was going on there uh, i think he i think at the end of his uh interview in the cage he asked to be i think logan paul to put him on impulsive maybe i i don't know he was yelling he was going very fast in his talking i was having a hard time keeping up but no he looked great it's a tough loss for Fialo, who was just, he's still a very fun fighter, but I hate that he's, that's I think three or four losses in a row via finish, so that's uh, really tough. Uh, but Joaquin Buckley, though, I mean, I, it's a shame he didn't get a bonus for that performance, because he looked damn good. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know, again, what Buckley, he's... When he looks good, he looks great, and when he looks bad, he looks bad. Like it's just it's it. There's not a lot of in between with him, um, but I I'm I do like the skill set. I do. I think that there's something there with him. 
Obviously, you know what he's capable of. He's got one of the best knockouts of all time. But um, can he stay consistent? You know, that's something that we say about a lot of guys. But with him specifically, that's what I'll say. And I'll use that to transition Dominic into my next fight that I'll just mention. How about Diego Ferreira? Probably the highlight of the night with that second round knockout of Michael Johnson. Mm. And man, I'm not even like a like a super, you know, I, I love Michael Johnson. I like Diego Ferreira. But I'm not like super like attached to either one. I try not to be with most of these fighters so I can talk objectively. But with Michael Johnson, man, I it's hurting me when I see him go out there and look so good for a round, two rounds, whatever, and then or even three rounds, and he maybe either gets the wrong end of a of a close decision like Jamie Malarkey, or he's dominating on the feet and gets caught in a heel hook like he did against Tiago Moises, or here puts up a great first round, and then gets knocked out cold by Diego Ferreira. Very similar setup and strike that Josh Emmett put him out with not that a uh, few years ago. So it's tough, man, because Michael Johnson still got great hand speed. He looks good in there, but I just don't know if he can uh, take the shots that he used to be able to. Now, this was just like a – I mean, this was a hammer coming at his face and – you hate to see it, but for Diego, it's the win he needed. He was on a three-fight skid. I didn't think he had looked all that great over the course of those three fights. And this was a guy who was like one of the more underrated talents at light at a lightweight before. Gets back on track. He was definitely the star of the show that tonight, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, he absolutely was. And if you would have picked someone to win by knockout on this entire card, Diego would have been lower down on that list if I had to bet. And I'd love to know what the odds were because I'm sure someone out there uh, cashed it. Let us know if you did. But my goodness, dude, like like you said, it's tough to watch that happen, especially someone like Michael Johnson. Been there, done that in the sport, still game, still fighting, very tough competition, always has in his career, looked so good. Uh, and then gets knocked out like that. But, you know, on the other side, it's a thrill and the agony because Diego Fajera had lost three in a row. He took a long time away. Two of those were by pretty convincing finish, and he bounces back at 38 and gets a huge win like that. Again, I don't know what's, like, in it for him in the future because he's kind of already been at his ceiling, obviously, but you could tell how much uh, that win meant to him as well. So that's just the uh, – the beauty and the ugly side of the sport put together perfectly is what that fight was. And no, there's no way. And I mean no way I'm getting out of the rest of UFC Vegas 73 without talking about Natalia Silva because she is a problem. I, yay, not just I, what am I, what am I, selfish here? No, I'm not. Me and Noah, the Below Average Joe's MMA show, and I fucking hope the Below Average Joe community support men's and women flyweights we love the women's flyweight division and this is a great addition to the back half uh looking into that ranked uh par portion now because silva's three and she has two absolutely vicious finishes and one very dominant decision in her ufc debut at only 26 she looks so polished so technical so fast, so powerful, Noah. She is so fun to watch, and I'm so excited to watch what she does in the future, man, because she is an issue. 
Uh, I completely agree with you. We've been on her from day one, uh, from her debut, basically. She's looked phenomenal, and she just looks better and better out here. And, yeah, I really have nothing else to add to it because everything you said I could reciprocate, and I, I think that's it for the rest, right, Dom? I think we're ready to move on from there. Yes, sir. Um, making some headlines, Dominic. If you were to tell me going into this weekend that Tyson Fury would be calling out a former or current UFC heavyweight champion for a boxing fight, I definitely wasn't calling it to be John Jones. Uh, but that's exactly what happened over the weekend, Dominic, because... It all kind of started with, I guess, on, I don't know when this happened, even though I do listen to a little bit of Rogan's podcast, I'm not sure when this occurred, but uh, at some point on Joe Rogan's podcast, he must have been talking about how John Jones would do bad things to Tyson Fury in a real fight, you know, in, a, in an all-around MMA fight or just a street fight, whatever. I'm sure that's what it was. Well, Tyson Fury did not take too kindly to this, Dominic. He posted a video uh, of him taking some big old shots at Joe Rogan, calling him a, a pussy midget, uh, among other things. So that's where it started. John Jones responds. And then when Tyson Fury posted a, a video after that, he had really changed his tone, I noticed, Dominic. As soon as John Jones responded and said, hey, I, I forget word for word what he said. I, I, I did have it on my phone, but now I'm recording on my phone. But um, essentially, it was something along the lines of like, you know, you're more than welcome to come into my world. And, you know, he's like, I have no doubt that you're the best boxer, or one of the best boxers in the world, but you step foot in my world and there's nobody who can beat me. You know, John Jones, very confident, the mm. GOAT. You know, it is what it is with him. Tyson Fury sends another video, this time changing his tone quite a bit. He's calmed down a little bit. Yeah, now all of a sudden it's John Jones, you're a great fighter. Um, but basically saying, like, if you want to fight me, step in the boxing ring. So, Dominic, I want to ask you, as the the guy of the two of us who doesn't have that much interest in boxing, does not care to watch it all that much, when you see situations like this where boxers and MMA fighters, it happens from time to time when they kind of get into these verbal spats or, you know, there's these arguments or call-outs or whatever it might be. Do you ever find it interesting or do you get annoyed as an MMA fan when the boxer will sort of call out the MMA fighter, but he calls them out specifically to box when, you know, we've seen that, right? We've seen a lot of that. Conor McGregor, going over to box Floyd Mayweather. We've seen it with even like Jorge Masvidal's card, among other things. Obviously, the guys who have boxed Jake Paul. In terms of the boxer going to MMA, the only example I can think of is James Tony, who uh, fought Randy Couture back like right after UFC 100. And then maybe I think Ray Mercer at one time fought MMA. I think he knocked out Tim Sylvia, but that was like after UFC Tim Sylvia. So, very rare for boxers to come over in MMA, and I know with the pay and stuff, maybe it's not exactly worth it for them. But for you, Dominic, as the MMA fan, strictly MMA fan, does that get frustrating when you hear boxers calling out MMA fighters for boxing fights? You know, honestly, to show a little bit of love to the boxing side, I think it's annoying just 
the whole thing is just a bit annoying because obviously if you're a boxer calling out an MMA fighter, you want them to box you. If you're an MMA fighter, you want them to come to the cage because you're going to win that fight. Like it, there's two clear sides to the like narrative here and there's never a middle ground. There's never an in-between that we see in all these spats and Twitter discussions. So like, you know, I have my fun. I like hearing what Tyson has to say, what John's is tweet, what John's, what John is tweeting back. But like at the end of the day, one, I know it's never going to happen. And two, it's all just in good fun They're At the end of the day, I said that twice in a row in a very short sequence, but you get my point. They are kind of just promoting themselves, you know, like they're getting their names intertwined, which in return is going to have fans of Tyson looking at John Jones, fans of John Jones looking at Tyson, you know, whatever, whoever the fighters are in the uh, debacle. So I just look at it as all in good fun. It's not necessarily annoying just because I realize nothing's going to come of it. Yeah. No, that's very fair. That's I'm actually glad that you took that approach because people always, every time something like this happens, when Tyson Fury posted that video, all the comments are like, he would kill you in an MMA octagon or in a, whatever, in an MMA fight, in a street fight. And it's like, yeah, no fucking duh. Dude. Like, you don't think Tyson Fury knows that? Why do you think he's calling for him to box? That's where he's obviously made his fortune that's where he is one of the best in the world the reason you see so many mma fighters chase the boxers is because boxers just make a lot more money that's why it's not because they legitimately believe that they can beat these guys it's because they want that payday and man all that aside though i think the biggest part of this that was making me just laugh my ass off and not laughing at this person, but just laughing at the absurdity of the situation. Francis Ngannou had to be sitting there watching this like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, wait a minute, I want the fight with Tyson. Now all of a sudden, John Jones, the man who people are telling uh, Francis that he's been running away from and that he's too scared to fight. Now all of a sudden, John Jones is going to step in and box Tyson Fury before he does? Man. John Jones, if John Jones were able to pull off something like that, I mean, he obviously won't. But if he were, and let's be honest, Dominic, I know John Jones under UFC contract. Don't think, though, that Dana wouldn't think, like, maybe we should do this just because this this would just kill Francis just a little bit more. So I, that was all that was going through my head was, like, Francis had to be looking at his phone like, mother. Fucker, man. Like, what did you, did you, did you kind of have that same thought cross your mind? Oh, dude, Noah. So, Francis, God, and we talked about it on Friday, obviously, but on Tuesday, we wake up and bam, he's in the PFL. Whole world's talking about him. He's going, you know, viral on Twitter, all these crazy news and the deals and all the numbers and everything. And then give it, I don't know, six, eight hours, Dana White, bam, here's UFC 291 bam here's ufc 292 and then dana probably texted uh john jones said hey or texted both he put them in a group chat tyson fury and john jones in the same group and he goes hey guys just do a little jabbing back and forth do a little twitter stuff just to make old francis mad i i feel for the guy man and we're calling on friday like we want to see francis box during his time off so he doesn't have to just sit on the shelf till 2024 and all and meanwhile he's just sitting at home having to watch this on twitter as he's scrolling Oh, man, I, I feel for the guy. I do. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, it was all it was all in good fun. So I guess with that, Dominic, we will move on into the fight announcements portion of the show. Let's see if I can remember what I put on the sheet because again, I normally look at it through my phone, but I'm recording on my phone. So let's see how good I am, guys. Kevin Lee is back in the UFC. Now, where, what's that uh, famous Chael Sonnen quote like? Now, where does this exact what, what's that Kevin Lee thing? What's what, what is it, Dominic? Where does Kevin Lee fit into all this, Noah? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, he is back in the UFC. I believe he only took one fight during the gap in, in time that he was out, and that was that fight, kind of a weird one, Eagle FC main event with Diego Sanchez, where uh, Kevin Lee perhaps, I think, tore his ACL like in the first round. Uh, did win the fight, but it was kind of more competitive than you probably would have hoped it'd be. And also, weird side tangent, what the fuck happened to Eagle FC? Like, they just fell off the face of the earth. I mean, just... All yeah, right. Yeah. I guess they came for like three events and then they were just like, all right, that's enough America for us. <laughs> Regardless, Kevin Lee's back and he's taking on Renat Faretdinov, Faretdini, Faretdini, I think, or something like that. That's how it's pronounced. Um, very tough guy. That'll be happening July 1st. Then, Dominic, insert the clip. Bar sporting the traditional Scottish kilt. What is under? Yes, please. You want to see? It's my, it's my, it's my. Your kibbles and bits? It's my, it's my cock. Paul Craig is making his debut at middleweight. Been at light heavyweight for a long time. He's going down to middleweight. And a very interesting matchup with Andre Muniz. That'll be happening July 22nd in London, per usual, with Paul Craig. And then, Dominic, your last one. She's back. Tatiana Suarez coming off a big win in her first fight in a what four years is back but she's going back to the weight class that she had really made her entire first ufc run in straw weight and she's taken on virna jendiroba and that will be happening august 5th rumored to be nashville tennessee hopefully for us but Dominic, those are your three fight announcements. I'll ask you kind of overall what your thoughts are on those, if there's anything that you're kind of skeptical about, don't like, or love. But obviously I know the uh, the focus for you will probably mostly be on Tatiana Suarez, so I will ask you a second question, and that being, are you in support? I, I think the matchup you'll be in support of, but more so the fact that she's going back to 115. Like, were you kind of hoping to see her stay to 125, see how far she could go there? Or are you okay with her kind of going back down to 115 where she had been so dominant back in, you know, four, five, six years ago? Yeah, no, I know. I think that's a good question. And I, I think I respect her in her return fight doing it at 125 just to kind of get in the flow again, cut a little bit of weight. Just how are you feeling? How are you moving in the cage? And, you know, setting up potentially for the future. Okay, I feel out pretty good at 125. I feel comfortable at this weight because she fought Montana De La Rosa, who's not a small 125 or whatsoever. So I think it was just kind of a good get your toes back in the water. But she made it clear she always wanted to come back to 115, and I'm glad she's doing it now while she still has that that window of her prime year still to go. I know she's on the you know the backside of them because of all the injuries, but she's still very much in those prime years, and I think she wants to capitalize it at her traditional weight class, a weight class where she's going to be bigger. Uh, and stronger and hold a lot of advantages over a lot of these women 
And this matchup in specific against Vierna is definitely interesting. I mean, we just talked about Vierna not too long ago uh, when she fought, and she just has a very, you know, can can be a little crazy at times. But in her last fight against Marina Rodriguez, honestly fought the smartest we've ever seen, and it led to her getting a very decisive victory over who's someone that I hold in high regard in Marina Rodriguez. So it's definitely no easy fight for Tatiana but still a way in which she could come in, do what she was doing at 115 a few years back, and she's right into the shuffle of the top. You know, she would be fighting number six at that point. You know, she wins this one. She's one away from a title fight. If not, they could just throw her in for all I know. I don't know. I don't think I would necessarily be in support of that. We'll see how the fight plays out. But I love that she's going back to 115. And I, of course, want to hear you give your discussions on your own question, but just quickly to hit the other two. I'm happy for Kevin Lee getting his chance back in the UFC. I mean, when his last fight in the UFC was in 2000, August 2021 against D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, he was doing the stanky leg again in that one. He didn't look too good. Took some time off. Fought Diego Sanchez. You know, it was just kind of a weird one. Say what you want about the fight itself. But I'm glad he's getting another chance here. How's he going to fill out? You know, he's had the struggles with weight and yada, 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 going back and forth. And Fakhret Dinov is not to be messed with, dude. I mean, he just, you know, decisively dominated Brian Battle in December. And you're seeing the things that Brian Battle can do. Uh, so I, I think it's not an easy combat fight for Kevin Lee. But if he were to come back and win, I think it's a good spot to show, okay, there, there's a little gas left here for Kevin Lee to do something. And then Muniz and Paul Craig, two jujitsu submission specialists, should be super intriguing. Paul Craig coming down to 185. Definitely wasn't expecting that. And, this, you know, we don't see that dip very often. No, that's the 20-pound difference going from light heavyweight to middleweight. So we'll see how he looks, how he fills out. It could be a really tough weight cut because he's not necessarily a small light heavyweight. But those are my thoughts. I loved it, Dominic. You probably went for about five, ten minutes there on those three fights. <laughs> I mean, just having full thoughts on each one i love it uh yeah i, I won't i'll be a little more brief just because I, I i feel like our thoughts kind of you know coincide with one another but um for tatiana i'm fully in support of the 115 move and that's for one big reason dominic that's because i was a little nervous if her and aaron blanchfield fought for a women's flyweight title what that might do to me and yours relationship and our podcast as a whole. Hmm. I was very concerned that uh, the, the mega powers would, uh, what do they say? The mega powers would collapse that uh, I'd be Hulk Hogan. You'd be Randy Savage and we would be just at each other's throats, hmm. but doesn't have to happen at least for now. Hmm. She's going to go back to straw weight. I mean, maybe she wants to pull an Andrade and just start hopping from one to the other. But if I'm her, I hope she sticks to one, tries to compete for a title at some point. It's not going to be easy against Jandarova. She is coming off such a great win. But I do think this is the kind of win where it's a proper step up from Montana. But it's also like the Tatiana that fought four years ago would win this fight or should win this fight. So if she's slowly coming back into 100% of herself, she should win this fight. And you're right. I don't know how quickly the UFC will th 
throw her in. I mean, Strawway is sort of low-key in need of some fresh contenders. Like, Strawweight for so long has been prided on being the best women's weight class, and I think at this point Flyweight's overtaken it. Yeah. And, you know, when you have Rose kind of out of the picture, not sure what she's doing, you know, you have some great, great contenders at the top. You know, Zhang Weili's the champion, but then you do have Amanda Lemos taking her on, but she's 35. Probably this is going to be about it for her in terms of, like, in that conversation. But then you have Yan Nan who's out there. And then if Tatiana gets a win, puts herself in that mix, that's a, that's a very exciting little group right there that I, I'd be pretty into. And even Andrade, I still think, is very fun mm-hmm. to watch. So um, a very fun group there at the top. But, um, yeah, and then Kevin Lee, like, it, it's a I, – I, I'm definitely pessimistic about this one for him. And it's if he does win, that would definitely say something. But – you know, it's. I don't expect the UFC to give him an easy way back in. I don't think they should. And, you know, it's not an easy one. I think this actually is a pretty tough fight. I, I would actually probably favor him to lose this fight. But, you know, that's that's just the way it's kind of gone for him at this point. And, yeah, uh, go ahead and insert the clip again for Paul Craig. That's my thoughts there. So. It's my, it's my, it's my. Your kibbles and bits? It's my. With that, Dominic, we will move on to Blazing Bets. Oh, Dominic. Oh, you wide a long face. I mean, can you at least be happy for me? I mean, my God, man. I take the lead. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't be happy for me. This is a competition, damn it. I'm up 2-1 to one now. I wipe the floor with Dominic once again. The momentum is riding high. I won't go bet by bet because I don't have my bets in front of me and I'm not going to make Dominic read them off to me. I believe I ended up positive 1.55 units. Is that right? 1.5. Just 1.5? Oh, 1.15. Okay. So I went positive 1.15 units for the weekend, which is like solid, but also Dominic, man. We got to talk about the the same game parlay that I missed out on. I mean, I plus 310, one takedown and round one for McKenzie Dern, check. Then came for the fight to end via submission. Oh, I mean, just brutal. Just yeah. sitting there watching her at the end of multiple rounds. I'm like, how the fuck is Angela Hill holding on here? Like, both times, I'm like, this is one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in all of women's MMA. And Angela Hill is just fighting for her life. I got to give her props for it, but man, it hurt. It hurt when that fight went to a decision. I mean, at the end of the day, I didn't need it. I got the win. I got the. I still went positive for the weekend. But that was, uh, you, Dominic could see me texting in the group. I'm like, my God, man. I said, these submission attempts are going to be the end of me because this is brutal to have to sit through. Um, there was also a lot of fear. She kept getting, she was going for the ground and pound a lot. If she would have just kept ground and pounding, she probably could have got her out of there, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But um, I kept going. I'm like, please stop. I'm like, please just go for the arm. The arm's open. Just take the arm with you. And then it wouldn't actually be open. Angela Hill would just fucking hold on for your life. But yeah, it feels good. Momentum's on my side. I'm ready to, 
well, I guess next week we won't be doing any bets because uh, there will be no MMA. Yeah. So Dominic will have a week to sort of recoup. And then it's on uh, uh, not Vancouver, right? We got another card. Uh, yeah, we have another card coming up. So uh, Dominic, uh, Kaikar France, Amir Al-Baz, even main event. So another Apex card, but Dominic will have some time to recoup. But I hope to take a demanding, a commanding 3-1 to one lead here in a couple weeks. Dominic, what about you? What's your thoughts on the slate this weekend? Yeah, so I know Noah doesn't have the bets in front of me, but I just got to give credit where credit's due quickly before I get into mine. He he's the parlay king. Um, that's it's there's no other ways about it. You want to talk about you know a new mystic fighter in Mackenzie Dern? Well, there's a mystic MMA better, and it's parlay king Noah, parlay Noah king Noah parlay or whatever you want to call him. That's who it is. He goes three. Really, he went three and zero oh, because like I wouldn't consider same game parlays in that group. If you want, sure. Then he went three and one. It's still pretty incredible. He's just been hitting good, solid two to three leg parlays all year. And that's what really brought him into the positive uh, on this week. So shout out to him for that. I personally went three and three in terms of the uh, the bets, but went minus 0.94. So <laughs> still in the red. Uh, no, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even remember what it feels like to win in MMA betting. So it's been quite some time because even when I won in the first week of Blazing Bets, um, I was in the negative. It was just a battle of the Titans, as Noah liked to call it. But, you know, I mean, what do I do? What do I do in this one? I'll say this. My most confident bets hit. So in my head, even if it would have been untracked for blazing bets, I'm like, damn it, Dominic, just to make some extra dough. Why didn't you throw him on a parlay? Loopy winning, money line. I, I just felt so confident. Carolina. Oh, my goodness. It was just sweat-free. Carolina looks so good, this rejuvenated version. And Natalia Silva, by finish, are you shitting me? I took her from minus 900 to minus 155, and I'm only putting a unit on it? I should have bet the mortgage on that, man. Like, I just, I'm regretting not going more all-in on my confident plays. So maybe during this week off, that's kind of something, you know, I geared away from like if it's a minus 130 i put 1.3 on it i'm back to just one unit bets but i might start taking chances if i feel really confident on something maybe i'll do two units on like an italia silva by finish next time or something i don't know i gotta change it up i gotta try and keep no on his toes i can't let this lead grow to you know two three four points ahead of me because it's just going to be harder and harder especially with the year i've been having so it is what it is Noah's up two to one in the series. We get the week off. Some would say I need it. I would agree with you if you were to say that about me. So I'm going to use it to my advantage, get a breath of fresh air, come back strong for the first flyweight main event in God knows how long, Noah. First one since 2017. I believe it was uh, it was Brandon Moreno and uh, John Lineker, I think, was the main event. Oh. I, I think that's what the main event or... No, maybe Brand. They were both on that card, but I don't know if they fought each other. Lineker was probably in the main event. I Moreno might have been some. Or no, no, no. Sorry, it wasn't Lineker. Brandon Moreno, Sergio Pettis was the last flyweight main event, and you know damn well, considering where those two guys were at that time, that was not the originally scheduled main event either. Yeah, hundred so, percent. I think this is a great fight though that we have coming up, Albazi. Car France. Everybody tune in. Give it the support it deserves. I know it's at the apex, but fuck it, man. 
we we bring the noise. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, with that, Dominic, let's move on to the only segment we know how to end this show with. A little segment we like to call Closing Statements. The point of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything, MMA related or not. So Dominic, do you have anything you'd like to get off your chest? You seem to have thought of it on the spot, even though I thought you were supposed to start thinking of these in advance. Now I'm just messing with you. I also do the same thing. But it seems like something has popped into your little head here as we... Uh, as I turn it over to you. So what do you have for closing statements today? Yeah, no. So this one did pop in, but I'm kind of on a streak. It feels good. I'm I'm bringing something to closing statements the past month or so, but this one did come as I was just sitting here and we've talked about it before, but it's just to, to kind of give dad big Dave, as he's known around these parts, a little bit of shine. I've talked about the griddle, right? The black stone, how it's very uh, unique and very, it's like a Swiss Army knife. It, it can do more than a traditional grill. You can do a lot of fun shit with it. Well, for the first time yesterday for dinner, he did pizzas on the Blackstone, which was very interesting because if you think about a pizza, you know, you need the toppings and the cheese to melt on top. Well, Blackstone, it's not like an oven where the heat's all around. It's only on the bottom. So the crust, super crispy. Some would say too crispy, but I really very much enjoyed it. The ingredients were good, cooked well on the Blackstone. It tasted much like a normal pizza that you'd put in the oven or order even, but the biggest difference was the crust. So for those that have the Blackstone, or if you're looking into getting a Blackstone, I can't really vouch for it any more than I already have, but you can do anything you want. Anything you put your mind to on a Blackstone griddle, Noah. Uh, Very inspiring, Dominic. Uh, For my closing statement, um, I'm going to give you a math equation, and I'm going to make you solve it. No. <laughs> All right. There's a point to this, I promise. You might, I, I, I think it's not long enough to where you probably have to write anything down, but let's see. Like, if, if you have to use your phone or something to, like, write it down okay. or type it out. So, we're going to do open parenthesis, okay? Okay. 5 plus 5, then close parenthesis. Minus 10 times 3. Okay. What was the second part again? Uh, so after the parentheses, uh-huh. minus 10 times 3. Dominic's right. 5 plus 5 in parentheses is 10. Then you take, because you do parentheses first, but there's nothing to be multiplied or added to it. So you just have the 10, and then you have 10 times 3 is 30. 10 minus 30, negative 20. Noah, that's my final answer. Correct. And I'm so proud of you for getting that right. The reason I bring this up is because, so I, I was trying, I was on the phone with my mom, and I was trying to be, I was on Facebook at the same time, because I'm always talking on speaker. And I saw this like uh, random, uh, you know, those random Facebook pages. I think it was called Grandma Funnies was the the Facebook page. Um, So I see it had a different equation on it. And it's like it said in the picture, like, please use your brain. Don't use your calculator or something like that. Well, the reason it popped up on my page was because my great uncle, so my mom's uncle, had commented 
and he had put like the completely wrong answer, like did not use his order of operations at all. Okay. So I started laughing and I'm like, mom, you ain't going to believe what I just saw. And then I go, wait a minute. I bet she doesn't know this. So then I made her do it. She guesses the same answer as him. So then I'm like, I'm trying to explain to her order of operations, PEMDAS, all of that. And then she keeps going, I didn't learn that shit in school. She goes, I learned to do math left to right. And I'm like, no, you didn't. I'm like, this is, this is literally how math is done. Like, you, this is the thing about my mom. She is a smart woman. She is a great woman. But she is also stubborn as hell. So whenever she sets her mind to something, you can't convince her she's wrong. So if I had the most brilliant mathematicians in the world tell her, Susan, you have to use order of operations and PEMDAS, she'd go, hmm, no, I don't think, I think you're wrong, actually. Uh, so then I wrote out that equation for her that I just gave you. And I believe the answer she gave me was, let me think about this. Uh, it would have been zero, is what she said. So, because she went left to right, did not use order of operations. So, once I kept telling her that, she goes, oh, I knew, like, before I told her what the correct answer was, she goes, oh, I knew it was wrong. She's like, I knew when you have uh, parentheses, you have to multiply it. And I was like, no. You don't. And she goes, well, that's what I learned. And I said, no, you didn't. But, uh, yeah, there's a little math. Uh, teaching my mom math is not going well so far. So um, if there's any teachers out there that would like to freshen her up on it, uh, she may uh, cuss you out. She may tell you, like, get get out of my house. But, you know, it might be for her own good, Dominic. What do you think? It's, it's good to know moving forward. Um, but with that, my name is Noah Baker. That's Dom Mixley. We are but just two of the below average shows, and we'll see you guys on Friday.